Hey everyone, it's Tom here with a quick intro for a rambling episode that contains 99% no Metallica. This is a Guns N' Roses episode. This is something that I just recorded yesterday. We're currently in the midst of a heatwave here in England. And myself and my friend Javi went to South Park in Oxford, uh, which is just a glorified field. And, uh, you know, threw a ball around, smoked, got pissed and talked about music. And Javi's been wanting to come on for the podcast for a long time. But he has the uh, quite pertinent handicap of not really liking Metallica, which we get onto. But, um, you know, you know me. I'm a big fan of lots of music and he's a giant fan of GNR, that's how we became friends, you know, initially, that's how we bonded. So he flew the idea of why don't we just chat and, you know, go through each album and pick our two favourite songs, and that's what we did, that's what you're about to hear. So excuse the sound quality, it was just on my iPhone, you know, occasionally you'll hear the clinking of bottles or, you know, the shouting of nearby youths or, you know, the grass scratching or sirens or whatever, but, you know, I think it's usable. Um, and, uh, and yeah, this is just a kind of, I don't want to say throwaway because I think this is quite a good discussion, but this is, um, you know, this isn't part of our scheduled programming as it were, uh, what is coming up? We've got our 30th anniversary shows episodes, which are in the bag. They're on Patreon. Shout out to Rob Z coming on. And uh, if you want to listen to the first, you can help support us over there, but that'll be coming out in the coming weeks. Uh, also working towards, haven't recorded yet, possibly at the time you hear this, it will be out, uh, our mega histories episode on Cliff Burton. So that's basically our sort of giant look back at the life and times of uh, Mr. C. Burton going into his music and his personality and, you know, the legacy and all that sort of stuff so yeah follow us at MetallicaPod get in touch with me MetallicaPod at gmail.com Patreon's there iTunes leave a review as well check out the old episode that I did about Guns N' Roses about a year ago or so two years ago uh, on the tour the 92 tour going for all the dates there all the stories all the burns etc so uh, yeah thanks again to Javi for joining me and uh, let's join me and him now in the park hey everyone it's Tom here Alf Metallica impromptu little episode it's a summer's day after work and uh, we're just chilling out. And, you know, a lot of people, they want to barbecue. They want to, you know, throw a ball around. I want a podcast. I'm that introverted archetype. I'm addicted to this art form. And, uh, yeah, I'm here with a friend of mine who's you know, a fellow musical obsessive, uh, someone that I work with, someone that I'll introduce shortly. And uh, we're going to go through something that isn't really Metallica-based, but as you may have noticed, as we've been going deeper into the recesses of this band, ironically, I've strayed away from them. You know, we've done like the top 10 instrumental albums and, uh, you know, a few other things there. And today is another deviation. But Guns N' Roses kind of have a relationship to Metallica. I mean, the, you know, they went on tour with them. Lars is a huge GNR head. So for no other reason than we just agreed to do this like 10 minutes ago myself and Javi are going to go through every Guns N' Roses studio record and pick our favourite two songs from each album and uh, Javi how's it going man? Hello Tom nice to be here doing this podcast with you and I'm sure we're going to have a good time talking about Guns N' Roses and their discography now I do want to point out for our audience that you're a liar right because you did play some ball before you did this podcast. I played a little okay. bit. I mean, we do so, storytelling uh, on this podcast. Right. Yeah, the dramatics. 
the theatrics. Uh, yeah, I, I did a little bit of exercise, dear listeners, but I was just hoping to get to this moment where we're sitting over my iPhone uh, on, on this blazing and me, lovely day. And me as well. And, and, and Javi, of course. So, uh, so yeah, just before we get into the idea of you and GNR, um, you and Metallica, I know you're not like the biggest fan of the band. Like, you're from Venezuela yourself. Like, were they big in the scene back then? Because I know you've been like a metal fan or. So Metallica, obviously, it's a huge band worldwide and, you know, in Venezuela was no exception. Whenever they came to our country, it was huge. Mm. And I remember the hype in my school, my friends all wanting to get tickets to go and see them. Even so this would have been young. 2008, 9, I think. Eight, nine, yeah, under yeah two, the uh, World Magnetic Tour. Mag- yeah. Yes, that's yeah, the yeah. one. Where did they I, play? Caracas? Yes, in yeah, the capital Caracas, city. Yeah. Um, there's no bootleg footage out. Me and Javi wanted to do an episode. So every Metallica concert is out there on YouTube. But there's a camera. The but- <laughs> I don't know why the- no one had a VHS out there, even in 08. So, yeah. So, basically, um, there is no footage that I've seen, but I do know some friends that have been going, that actually went there and-, and went to the concert. And I will try to get in touch with them soon for another podcast episode where I can tell the tale. Mm. So you and the band, though, in general, you know, we had we didn't get on initially because you're a big Stone Temple Pilots Pilots fan. I abhor the band personally. I think they're one. Of the, <laughs> I think they're legit one of the worst popular bands ever. Like, like, like they kind of baffle me why they've got. And these... I've always thought, and I mean, I'm sure people are going to hate me. For no, this, what but, are you about to say? But, what are you queuing up? Well, what I'm saying is that okay. Metallica is not one of my favorite bands. That's fine. And I do believe they're a little bit. Slightly overrated. Overrated. Okay. Okay. Well, luckily today we're not talking about Metallica. We're talking about a band we both adore, G and R. <laughs> and before we, you know, this is something we bonded on. Our mutual love of Guns and Roses. I'm sure us, like millions of others, adore this band. Like, what was that relationship quickly like? You know, h- how did you get to know them? How did you get into them? Okay. So with Guns and Roses, I have a little tell uh, about the band that it's you know spot on for this podcast. Really, basically. Uh, when I first heard of Guns N' Roses was by accident and upon my curiosity because I discovered in my house yeah, where my dad kept his record players mm. back in the day cassettes actually mm. so he had a cassette of Appetite for Destruction love it and I took it to him and I was like can you make this work for me or play it for me or whatever and or I perhaps try to play it and when he realized I was doing so he just took it away from me I cannot exactly remember what how it went right, wow but he basically prohibited me from listening to Ghost and Roses Appetite for Destruction because I was too young mm. even though I couldn't even really understand English back then so it was a bit pointless but I guess you could hear you know I mean Rocket Queen yeah that's you know, what I was gonna say yeah, if yeah. you paid attention to that one track then you know yeah, it's oh still yeah, oh, st- yeah, I still get uncomfortable <laughs> listening listening to Rocket Queen. But once you get to know the story behind it, I don't know yeah. if it makes it even more uncomfortable or less so. Uh-huh. It's weird, but I mean, just for myself with GNR, I'm trying to think now. I think I was just always aware of them as this giant band, and I was getting into music. And you know, my cousin, who's been on the show before, Peter, I mentioned before the story of he came over to ours, you know, my house, and dropped all these albums on Windows Media Player, like Guns N' Roses, like Metallica, like Van Halen, like Mr. Big. And then you know, I was getting into all these bands from there. But I guess my first real step on the GNR obsessive ladder was getting the I got the greatest hits, which I think came out in 2004. Do you remember that? It was like it was like 
platinum. It was like them chiseled out. It was the first greatest hits. And you know, and it had Welcome to the Jungle and Sweet Child. The, the disc was kind of scratched that across. That was absolutely like, amazing. I yeah, love that about yeah. the disc. Yeah. Seminal. Yeah, the disc was awesome. Uh, that, you know, that was back when we were getting okay, packaging hang on, out. Hang on. Uh, I do have to say, I am maybe a year younger than you. Or yeah, so, we're about the same so. age. Well, yeah. I don't know, but when I got that disc, maybe I was just too naive, but I yeah. actually thought it was scratched. I did. I, I actually, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't just I, me. I, I, this was, I listened to that disc so long ago that it wasn't an, as an mp3 it was a it was a cd in a walkman like that yeah, is like yeah. that was one of my earliest musical experiences and then yeah from there gnr i just thought they're incredible okay, quick question yeah. fire rapid question for you what was the added extra song of that disc of that album that was never released before oh it's the one that came out uh, what's on it called that album shadow of the no what, the, what no. the cover on the album no what is it they made a cover of a song and put it in that album yeah right what was it? Sympathy for destruction. Oh, Sympathy okay. For destruction. Sympathy, Sympathy for the for devil. devil. <laughs> Sympathy for the devil. Okay, I didn't realize that came on there. Like, no. Rosa. Sympathy but, for destruction. And then just before we get onto the uh, first album, I don't think I've told this story before on the show. When I was younger, this would have been like 2004, I went on holiday to Dubai. And this was before Dubai, but you know, obviously it was still the, you know, concrete out of the desert kind of metropolis sort of thing. But it was kind of earlier days back then. Anyway, went over there, you know, very young kid, 12 or whatever, went into HMV, had a bit of money, bought some CDs. And I remember I bought two CDs. I bought Nirvana's Greatest Hits. When you're a kid, you just buy Greatest Hits on CD. Like that was definitely my kind of modus operandi. I'm not buying single albums. I want all the, all the best, you know. So Same. I bought that money and I bought tight. Appetite. Yeah, the money yeah. was tight. And I bought Appetite. And there was a guy working there who was like, hey, can I help? you and he was just kind of walking around the aisles and I showed him what I had and, and, he, and, he, and he had the CDs on top of each other he had the Nirvana Grace hits on top and an appetite underneath and I just remember looking at him and went cool oh no and like he was like anti-GNR and there seemed to be that there still is I think this anti-GNR mob that don't recognize them as legit one of the bands certainly one of the best rock bands ever the thing is back in the time they, the hype that they got was so massive that you know there's when something becomes so 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 big just like gnr became yeah yeah they will always get the haters or the people that say like oh they're just whatever you know they're not that great or whatever this is snobby people that believe mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. because they're going against what the rest are saying it's you know better or right and not really guns and roses objectively Especially yeah. that first album, Appetite, when oh, it came out. Yeah. That objectively is a staple in music history yeah, yeah. in every single sense. And for rock music in particular, there would be a before and after, I would say. It was, it was crossing the Rubicon, it yeah. It inspired so many bands, really. Mm -hmm. So many bands. Appetite oh definitely became a mark in music history. So we're going to get to Appetite first of all. As I said before, we're going to go one song a piece just before we get into these uh, little review synopses follow us at metallicapod get in touch with me metallicapod at gmail.com let me know your favorite two songs from each gnr disc and uh yeah patreon as well is always there leave us a review on itunes all that good stuff so javi um why don't we start with you here all right with appetite can you give us um your first pick please as one of your favorite songs from appetite for destruction First pick of Appetite for Destruction. Okay, obviously this is probably going to be one of the most difficult albums to pick a favorite oh my track God. from yep. because every single track is just outstanding. Mm -hmm. It's you know out of the park. Oh they did such a good job with it. Yeah. And personally, what I love about the record and about every single track in this one is that the recording, the mix, the production, and them it's 
flawless. Mm, I cannot mm. imagine. Mike Klink, the producer. Yes, he definitely. Amazing job. Worked with Metallica job. briefly. Harvester, oh, there, of, Harvester of Sorrow drums is pretty much what he's only credited for. They kicked him out. They didn't like him. They got Fleming back. Really? But, yeah. So what? What's your first pick? First pick. Okay. And uh, you might not agree with me on this one. Hey, but it's, no, no, care. it's just it's it's our it's our opinion, you know. <laughs> so it's a track that are there in order, like first pick or second pick. Let's just there? say general. I mean, if you want to rank them, but it's only you know, yeah. Okay, it's one A, one B. Equally as good, yeah? yeah. Okay, so anything goes. Such a good choice. Night train. That's my second yeah. choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think most people recognise Night Train. It wasn't really a single, I don't think. I think it might have been released as some sort of release somewhere, but it wasn't. It didn't have a video, I should say. But I just think everything comes together. It's the it's the archetypal GNR song. You know, it has that. Um, you know, Axel is such an incredible singer that he'll even sing with Slash's solo, like their duel at the end. I guess, I guess. And you hear Slash's solo rearing on its haunches. Uh, the rhythm playing from Izzy is tremendous. The, you know, just the giant chorus and the sense of pace and majesty. It really feels like Mike Klink had set up a canal that just led from the Sunset Strip into the studio. It's seamless. It's enthralling. It's breathtaking. Uh, I'm going to go with Night Train. So usually I'd say you're going over the top, but not in this case. <laughs> it's kind of like you can you can say anything. You can say anything about Night Train. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the solos and like, you know, Izzy gets a solo in there as well. Uh, The lyrics to Axel Paints, this kind of, you know, post-Waitsian, Tropicana, sozzled, you know, credit card to the liquor store, like that kind of element to it. Night Train, of course, being the the liquor. It's a perfect rock song. It really is. So just to contribute a little bit to what you were saying, because it's definitely my second pick. And my, you know, one of my top, really, songs, favorite songs from Guns N' Roses. Um, What I love about this one in particular is that Axel plays with the dynamics so well. He builds up the song to the point that, and the rest of the band as well, really, the whole band builds up this song. So it's kind of like, you know, by the end of it, it leaves you wanting more, especially Mm. after that solo. You don't want the song to end. No, oh, God, no. how many songs are that great that you just basically want them to keep going and you don't want that fade out no. you want it to just keep going keep, you want to keep and hearing crank, that solo and, yeah, and yeah. crank that volume on the solo very similar to House of Pain that closes Van Halen 1984 it's one of those ones where you know you'll twist the knob or it, pause or increase your MacBook volume you know just to hear an extra note an extra second an extra fucking eight or two of that thing so yeah Night Train so you said anything goes we both agree on Night Train um, for me I mean obviously there's so many obvious songs to pick and you know I worship Welcome to the Jungle and Paradise City and you know Sweet Child especially yeah. I, I, I still think that solo I still think that build but I want to play as I like to inhabit the role of the contrarian you know i'd like to mention a song that maybe doesn't get spoken about as much from appetite but for me i'm gonna say my michelle my michelle i'm not gonna say my michelle but i love my michelle it's actually the thing the song that follows my michelle uh i think about you Album opener. 
Is it the album opener? No, Anything Goes is towards the end, I think. Welcome to the Jungle is the album opener. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's probably the... This is a bad start, but uh, Rescue It. Why, any, anything Goes. I, I'm kind of surprised you picked that. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I thinking it's the album opener? Okay, maybe I'm confused. The Venezuelan bootleg. No, had, it's not a Venezuelan yeah. bootleg. I believe that Hollywood Rose... Yeah, the band yeah, yeah, yeah. before Guns mm-hmm, Roses actually mm-hmm. had. So, whatever demo they released that was actually properly released. Oh, there's like the, the roots first, of Axel. Yeah, the, it was like yeah. the roots of Guns so N' Roses. Roses. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, album yeah, they that, released, yeah. the first track was Anything Goes. And I've always kind of like hung on to that demo version of it, which okay, I okay. think that was kind of like. But ro- that's not an appetite. <laughs> no, it's not an appetite, but it's, yeah. raw, it's the same song. It's a, it's a it's version a song, of it, yeah. It's a raw version of it. Mm-hmm. And then they polished it in appetite. Yeah. And I love the fact that you can hear the raw version of it and kind of see the evolution. And once you get to hear the appetites version, it's the polished, sophisticated, kind of like actual Guns N' Roses, you know, band as mm-hmm. they actually were, mm-hmm. doing what they're, you know, making the best out of this song. And yeah. it's kind of like different as well. I love the, the quirkiness of it compared mm. to the rest of the songs, the way it starts. And... Yeah, it's very, I would just say, cheeky. All right, all right. Anything goes. Yeah, what about you? What's your, I your mean, first pick? I mean, the first one, appetite? you know, people know that I love this song on the show. I think, along with Hot for Teacher by Van Halen, this song and that song are tied for the greatest rock song of all time. I think this song ticks every box, including my own personal obsession in heavier music. I love Heavy. I don't know if we discussed this before. I love when a guitar solo takes the song by the scruff of its neck at the end and ends the song and the solo fades out at the end. I love when Dire Straits do it. I love when Prince does it. I love when Slash does it. it so works. It I'm going to go with uh, Night Train. I think that is a wonderful pop song. And I think it's one of the ultimate examples of the beauty of a rhythm guitar player and a lead guitar player, or, you know, two people playing rhythm. The, yeah. syn- the syncopated nature in the chorus of Izzy on the boom, ba dee ba dee ba dee boom, I think about it, you know. There is just a alchemy uh, that is spun there that, that bewitches me to this day. It still has that energy, think about it, you know, Axel can is almost a lead instrument. You know, his kind of vocal inflections push the song forward more than anything, and kind of uh, Slash and Izzy and Duff are galloping up to follow along with Stephen. But um, you know, really think this song is transcendent. It, it starts so gently, and it still carries over that um, nascent adolescent soul throughout it, that charm. But nonetheless, it's got that uh, you know that kind of. I don't know that that that, that, that guns that Giannis about it that gruffness this grindness this grittiness. Uh, I think it's a lovely song. You know, I have to point out about this one though that the ending is quite particular as they drag it in a way. Um, um, basically, they drag it as in they they go basically slowing down the ending and Axel just going all the way almost yeah. as if it was Only yeah. You. And, oh, and, and that's you know not every it doesn't work for every song no but for this one 
it works and that's the thing about Appetite and all of their songs that they try so many different things for all of their tracks they're all kind of like in the same genre in the same kind of like sound yeah but they still have different uh, compositions and, and, and different ways to go about them so I love it I love it we move on to the next album now Lies Lies this is gonna be I think quicker. We're... Shall we pick one from this one? Because it's just a shorter album, really. I mean, let's still pick two. Two? All but right. I think we're both gonna agree on patience, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talking about patience. I wasn't really gonna pick it, but no. I mean, the thing is, it's so good that it's hard to just look past on. <laughs> but it has so many movements, doesn't it? It has the slash solo, especially the second solo. The those bends. Uh, you know what? I, I disagree. And the thing is, I, not that I disagree about that song yep. being great, but okay, I'll go with my first pick. It's gonna be Nice Boys. Okay. <laughs> Mm, no, no, great. Um, by but, what? What they called? Um, uh, oh, what's the? Because the original's actually a bit better. No, it's not nice better. Boys. It's different. It's so I, different. I prefer the original. I think the original's a bit more guttural and 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 splenetic. I love Axel's vocals and Nice Boys. I think it just. Oh no, his his, his vocals are brilliant. No, Don't get me wrong. No, it's a great cover. It's, it's, it's a great one of cover. the songs. Okay, and I'll say this from the vocalist point of view. Yeah. It's one of the few songs at the start of Axel's career where he went full falsetto, especially with Guns N' Roses. He used to do it a lot more with Hollywood Rose. Mm. And Anything Goes, which I mentioned before, yeah. is actually a great example because he does his guttural growl, growl mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with a lot of falsetto. But he doesn't use that again until Welcome to the Jungle at the beginning where he goes, oh, whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. a little bit of falsetto on throat. Mm -hmm. But then he goes full on falsetto, nice voice. Yeah. So he doesn't go with his powerful core voice that you can hear on Welcome or on, you know, You're Crazy, for example. Mm. But he uses a falsetto of, nice voice, don't play rock and roll. And that's amazing. I just love it. That song, just because of the way Axel sings it, makes it for me and also being so upbeat so you know energetic it just lifts me up i just love it because of it no it is a brilliant version and you know for those not aware uh lies is basically made up of kind of uh four covers and four originals and it was originally written by rose tattoo that was rose the name of the tattoo. band oh yeah. my god rose yeah. tattoo with of the name of the band of course it had to be a rose in yeah 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 <laughs> weird that weird that uh, okay uh, so i don't find it weird <laughs> it's spot on man. i mean yeah there's a, you know roses for our history but uh so we both agree on patience you're gonna throw down nice boys uh i'm gonna go with an original then and i think just for the morbid sense of humour that this track displays. Uh, I used to love her. What do you make of this jaunt? 
Well, I mean, it's a funny song, really. I always enjoy listening to it, but more so playing to it. Oh, yeah! I think Axel's vamping on it is top notch. I mean, I love the, the lyrics, and it's, it's just a fun track to listen and play to. And it's kind of like a, a break from Guns N' Roses' general rock and roll heaviness and, mm-hmm. you know, grit. And so it's a fun track to play to that you could kind of like almost like play to your parents and make them have a laugh and be yeah. like this is Guns N' Roses you know the big heavy rock band or hard rock band and they also do shit like this and it's actually funny and entertaining <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean, you know she bitched so much she drove me nuts you know she actually kills her and buries her in the backyard I mean it's dealt with in a jovial you know offhand Spike Milligan type tone of course it is, but, of course it is. Uh, again like with Patience for me it's stoking that slash you know, on the uh, on the hollow body, I think he sounds terrific there. So we push forward now. No, hang on, I haven't said my second song for. Yeah, five. you did. You no, said. I said nice boys, and that's about it. I think we agreed on patience, didn't no, we? I said that wouldn't be my pick. Oh, you didn't. Okay. I'll tell you my pick very quickly, all right? Please, no, please, please. And that would be you're crazy, all right? A rebuild of the original appetite. Yes, and that's yeah. because... It's a better version, I agree. It's a better version. I like it better too, okay. but I don't. I wouldn't say it's a better. It's different. Then again, okay. it's one of the perfect examples in rock music of how to transpose a rock track into an acoustic version of it. All right? Mm. You're crazy. The way Guns N' Roses performed it in Lies. Um, again, I have to hands down to Axel in the way that he just performed it. You can just hear the raw power and, you know, all that youth force and kind of like... Uh, I don't mm. even know mm. how to describe it in yeah, that song. that vigor. Yeah. Even more vigor, yeah. Impetus. Even more than in the original track because obviously the studio version has all the quirks and perks of the production. I'm not saying that the acoustic version doesn't have any production on it. Of course it has. Plenty. But mm. it's still an acoustic version and you can still appreciate Axel's power powerful voice and delivery of you know his singing in this song very well it's mm-hmm. one of his best examples of powerfulness <laughs> mm, no well put well put that's so, what i mean about this one so nice boys and you're crazy nice boys and me. you're crazy and again okay. it, you still love her impatience it's all about yeah. axel's vocals to me so far again i don't know if i sin for being a vocalist myself no 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 no, no. <laughs> it's uh no he's one of the best ever so use illusion one uh, yeah, Usual yeah, yeah. One follows, so we're going to treat these as two separate releases. Let me start with my first pick from Usual One. A song that sounds to me that if Guns N' Roses, like Usual in so many ways, is a deconstruction of Guns N' Roses. It's taken them in so many different places. It's either kind of calcifying those punk influences with the Johnny Thunder tributes. Uh, sorry about the police siren in the background. Or it's an ambulance, actually. It's, COVID, an, COVID. it's an ambulance. And, uh, you know, it's other kind of going down those directions with, you know, So Fine or, um, uh, you know, You Ain't the First. Or it's kind of going to the grandiose, you know. We're going to get into a lot of songs like Estranged and um, Bad Apples and Locomotive and 
uh, you know, don't cry and stuff like that. But I think if Guns N' Roses legit, with Usual Illusion 1 and 2, maybe even just with 1, did one album, were just making Appetite 2, like in the sense where we heard Van Halen 2, or, you know, The Strokes' Room on Fire feels very much like Is This It Part 2, you would get a song like Don't Damn Me. which to me, I think is still one of the band's greatest rock tracks. It pulsates at an incredible pace, you know, uh, Slash has such a predatory electric guitar throughout it. Axel is breathless, like down and then and then and down and then. You know, it's one of these kind of classic riffs uh, that chases down the fretboard. I think it's a stunning track. It really doesn't lean towards anything necessarily progressive. There's no piano on this, which I think, you know, most uh, Usual Illusion songs, even 14 years, might have a bit of piano or... Um, You're going into you know, two, though. Yeah, yeah, no, but I'm saying, like, the whole sort of Usual Illusion broth, as it were, although we are going to disseminate between those two. Uh, but, yeah, Don't Damn Me would be my first pick. Any, any thoughts on that song? Um, I personally think it's really good, mm. but I disagree with you saying that it would be a continuation of... Appetite. It's just riffy and rocky, is what I mean. It is. It's it not is, kind of. There's, there's no expansive. I mean, I agree and disagree with you because you're right about the fact that it's riffy and rocky. But if I were to pick a song from that album that was a continuation of Appetite, back off, bitch. You gonna say? Oh my god, you read my mind. Yes, <laughs> it sounds. Yeah. But I do. Have I think to that say, was written back in the day. I do. Ha- yeah, I the, think yeah. so. But I do have to say that it sounds to me like a B side of Appetite. Like it's not quite there to be. Part of the album, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, but like an off B side recording for it, and that's why it fits your solution. It kind of like you know brings you back to that first album of Guns N' Roses where they were just all about you know angst and, and putting out their feelings and lyrics that were maybe a little bit over the top and controversial or whatever. But nevertheless, I think that Back of Bitch is a really good song musically, it's you know really, really, really good. Everyone in the track is putting their, you know, 100% mm. into it. And you know how I praised Axel until this point? I think Axel didn't do justice the whole back half pitch. It works what he's done in it, but had he worked a little bit more on it, melodically, it could right. have been an A side of Appetite. So for it being on the B side, then yeah good and that was going to be one of my choices anyway because i just love the track anyway oh you love back off bitch i do love it so i mean i said don't damn me but you're saying back off bitch i'm saying back off bitch Okay. That it was going to be my choice despite everything I'm saying about Axel mm-hmm. not performing his best I still think it's one of the best songs of his Revolution 1 and I'll tell you my second pick straight away as well please and that would be Dead Horse oh okay? I, I love Dead Horse love- I'm not the only one with whom these feelings I share nobody understands quite why we're here the intro. Uh, oh, the intro is so good. Axel the crackle. 
I thought my CD was fucking. I think Dead Horse was on that greatest hit, but the, <laughs> but no. Hearing Axel and seeing the video of him playing the rhythm guitar and slashes, bam, 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 bam. Oh man, it's yeah. It's just a great track, and then again, it's uh, a build up. And I love how it just progresses. And I met an old cowboy! Exactly, <laughs> mate. It just gets you. Oh, man. He's still looking his on eyes. On the horse, dead mm-hmm. or alive. <laughs> That's a great choice. Uh, for me, let's end this song. I think this, to me, like Guns N' Roses, as much as I, you know, I'm like an appetite fanboy and don't damn me, you know, touches me in all the right ways. GNR were also a very experimental band within their paradigm and they were willing to, you know to go the distance and just to kind of follow concepts to their logical conclusion. Javi, I don't know how you feel about the closer, but I'm gonna go with coma. I mean, it's a great track as well, and it's just like that horse. Bam, bam, bam! That doomy it's riff. It's the like, intro, though. It's oh the intro, God. and how Axel again. Axel's vocal. Come on, come on! Just like yeah. You know, just like in Why that horse, the yeah. way he yeah, sings yeah, it, yeah. it makes the song in a way, mm. and again, the rest of the band just blows it out of the park. Yeah, it's just yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. Really good choice, man. Yeah, yeah. I love that song. I actually, you know, I, I think I really do think I like Use Revolution 2 a little more. So let's get on to two. Most people do. I yeah, I think most people do. I agree. So what's your uh, what's your first pick for Use Revolution 2? Okay, so Use Revolution 2. This is going to be more difficult just because there are different tracks it's like they in a way try to put in both albums a little bit of what would have been left of appetite mm. just to complement that hard work. yeah it must While have been crazy doing the track listing for this don't you think yeah that's when they recorded it all deciding on it yeah mad then again you know live in my world as the you know as the <laughs> yeah what is, last, what is my uh, last song of the <laughs> probably album. the worst gnr song even though i love it i just love it for what it is but yeah, it is we terrible it because we hate it <laughs> I, like it just sounds like a fucking ps1 demo disc like the background the, what the squelch but, so yeah this is a personal choice personal favorite. they're all personal is, yeah yeah but uh, very very personal oh, wow. and i say this because then again with this album you have so many good tracks that became greatest hits of guns and roses such mm. as civil war or yesterday's or knocking on heaven's door oh my god you know so many big strange songs. you could be mine don't cry, cry. Oh my it's god. full of yeah banders, what an right? album it's Fuck such me. a great album and yeah. i think this is why this one shines a little bit brighter than the resolution one but this is why I'm saying my choice is going to be a little bit weird. Okay. But it's a song that the, from the first moment I heard it, it kind of like made me feel good. It, mm. it brought mm. me back to that appetite okay. of destruction okay. feeling. And basically that song is Shotgun Blues. Yes, love the that song. The pace of that song, um, you know, the BPM of it is just <laughs> oh, man. out of place compared to the rest of the songs. Yeah. It's just faster, it's in your face, it feels out of place, just as out of, out of place as My World, mm-hmm. but not as out of place as You Could Be Mine. So it ties together the album quite well, and I just absolutely love how 
powerful it is in a uh, in an album where you have songs dominating such as Knockin' or Don't Cry or Strange where which are ballads and you know long and piano based songs mm -hmm. Shotgun Blues it's Guns N' Roses Good choice. in your face yeah plain old rock and roll honky tonk what I love you? it um you know for me GNR the core member is Izzy Stradlin. I know everyone points to Axel and Slash, but for me, I just, I adore this guy. And, you know, I think most people know that creatively he was the kind of locomotive engine at the center of it. He was it. indeed, I agree. Him and Axel go back to Indiana. And I just love the way he writes songs. And on these Illusion records, you get more of a feel for Izzy as the kind of singular voice, whereas Appetite was more a kind of, you know, this kind of whole cohesive, uh, glorious, uh, you know, mess, this, uh, this kind of pottage, this soup. So I want to go over a song that Izzy sings. Uh, I love the fact that Axel backs him up in the choruses. I think it's a terrific song with an exemplary solo from Slash that really takes, it t takes its time on the notes and builds a compelling story. Uh, 14 years. What is That's another great choice, yeah. and um, I absolutely agree with what you're saying about Easy. Mm. He is the engine of Guns. Yeah. He was the engine of Guns. He was. Guns. He was. Yeah. A hundred percent, especially um, for Appetite and the User Illusion albums. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have been the same without him. Mm. Not at all. And 14 years hearing his vocals and Axel backing him up. It makes you wonder, what if they had made more songs like that where Easy took the lead yeah. and Axel backed him up because it worked so well in that so track, good. so well, so well. Yeah. And then it makes you wonder, like, oh, what if they pushed this? Maybe for mm, Spaghetti, you maybe, know? Maybe, maybe. But anyway, I'll tell you my second one. Yeah. Um, this is a cliche, yeah, because it's definitely one of the greatest hits and everybody knows this song, Estranged. Amazing composition, and obviously beyond November strange. rain, beyond November rain, I think that Strange is kind of like the, you know, people kind of like looked it looked at it as the less talented brother, or you know, kind of like member of the. Family. I prefer Strange. I prefer Strange. Same, November rain. same. But most people, I mean, like the popular yeah. opinion is that November rain is it's the one that became super famous, and Strange has kind of like the second place mm. next to mm. it. But personally, I feel like. Musically, lyrically, Strange is just much better. Really. Okay. And then again, the I have whale to song out, slashes solos. Slash solo, yeah. Oh my it's, god. I have to say something about this one. It's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite. Strange solo is tied on the first place with my favorite solo from Slash with mm. the solo for You Got No Right by Velvet Revolver. So Great solo. those two solos, solo. You Got No Right and Strange, for me, are best of... We, uh, we need to do a... Because 
sorry, just to interrupt you, but we, me and Javi, obviously speak at length about music, and uh, we need to do a Velvet Revolver like retrospective. Oh, we'll go through the history. We'll go through the albums because, like, me and you are like, even though they're not the greatest band, we're like big. Oh, shut up. We're like big. <laughs> we're like big Velvet Revolver heads. Like me more than Tom, just because I was and I am into Guns N' Roses, and I was and I am into Stone Temple Pilots. So obviously, the amalgamation of yeah. Scud Wyland with. You know, They're a poor man's audio slave. That's all I'm Sorum. saying. Oh, for sake. <laughs> Even though I love them, I saw them live. I've seen, the first which band I ever me, saw live me. was like, Velvet Revolver. I missed my chance. Yeah, Get, oh, I got to see okay. Scott Delvin. But sorry, um, <laughs> you said uh, one of the things about Strange, which I completely agree, remarkable song. When I was first getting into music, G and I were one of those first bands. Oasis were also one of those bands. And I always thought that the way Axel sings, nobody ever told you, baby. He sounds like fucking Liam Gallagher. Like, do you not hear that? It's got a Brit poppy. I don't really no. hear that. No, not okay, really. Okay, okay. So, we had 14 years from myself, uh, Shotgun Blues, and a Strange from Javi. So, my final pick, Jesus Christ, what a gluttony of riches. But again. <laughs> What I find, you know, what I find <laughs> as I push through, as I get older and I revisit these records over and over again, I really love the kind of more, excuse me, the more kind of professor in the laboratory aspect of GNR. The songs get longer, the movements get more plentiful. They've still got that rock and roll basis, but they're willing to kind of stretch themselves out. And one of the songs where it's the sound of actual voice, it's the melody, it's the chorus line, it's the ending of the song that becomes very ethereal. Locomotive. Really? Yeah. I really think Locomotive is a stunning piece of work. Do you not like it? I think it's one of their lesser works. I have to really? say. Really? Yeah, wow. I mean, Baby's I'm not, got locomotive. I'm not putting the song down or saying that it's. Bad. I mean, Civil it's War is bad. better than Locomotive, but I just didn't want to say Civil War. You know what I mean? But again, it's what I'm saying. You know, it's like me going for Shotgun Blues. It's just going it's choice, yeah. far from what most people actually choose, mm -hmm. and it doesn't make it any less of a great song. I'm not saying the Locomotive isn't. It's just one of their lesser works compared to the rest of the songs in the album. But it's a good choice, though. Okay, so we push. It's hard to have a hard, uh, a bad choice. When, oh, uh, oh, god, yeah. Oh, god, yeah. So, uh, you know, this is the fifth album we're going to cover. We're only going to cover six albums. GNR's last release was 2008, even though they were meant to be touring even this year in England. And but, apparently, uh, allegedly, they've been working, working on new music. For yeah. ages. I think it's going to be a bit like fucking, you know, any, any. No, no, no. Stone Roses. Like, they got back together for a big tour, like GNR, and there was all these rumors. I love Stone Roses. John Squire, to me, is one of the best uh, English guitar players, British guitar players ever. Um, and. Um, they were recording all this music and then released one signal and it was shit and they didn't put anything else out. So I don't know if GNR are going to do that. But, uh, Javi, let's push forward to the spaghetti incident. Okay. What's the first one for you? So, first one for me, and it's the album opener, Since I Don't Have You. Okay? Yeah. And I don't have happy hours. This, that again, lead guitar always bugged me. It's too trebly. Again, I oh, feel like, like the guitars on uh, Since I Don't Have You is actually, you know, 
on the background compared to Axel's vocals. He takes the lead on this one and he basically drives the song in a way that it's different from all of the ballads that he has sung before mm. and the acoustic songs. Mm -hmm. So I like how it's he, a great song. He, it's he a great channels song. his inner I wouldn't say Sinatra, but kind of like croon. He croons, he croons. He croons yeah. or does his best. He sings easily, yeah. And again, for that one song and the production done on it, it works. And I hate the fact that it works. It's like Oh my god, it's so, you know, mm. you're a rock Versa singer. They're a versatile so band. Versatile. They're such a versatile Even, band. I mean, having such a voice that is like either rocky or falsetto, or and then again, you know, you, you give it a go to a song like this, and you nail it. Mm. And, you know, hats down, Axel. It's another song that I think that, you know, it's a cover, and um, you mastered, and I absolutely love it. It's different from all of Guns N' Roses' catalog, if you think about it. Um, and I always appreciate versatility. Mm -hmm. um, hence, why Stone Temple Pilots is one of my favorite bands. Wow! I mean, let's not let's not go let's there. Let's not get there. Though. So uh, <laughs> you know, GNR, like Metallica. One of the reasons that I love them is they introduce me to so many different bands, especially through the Spaghetti Incident, like Garage Inc. You know, people who are not aware who are listening, by the way, Spaghetti Incident that Harry uh, that Harry's done his first song from um, is a covers complete covers LP. Oh, the whole album, yeah, of course. Yeah, the whole, just just so people are not aware of, of course, in Alpha Telica Land. So my first pick then is someone that was introduced to me through this album, who subsequently I became a giant fan of. And I just I just think his music's tremendous, and he's worked with the New York Dolls as well, of course. I talk about Johnny Funders, and I talk about You Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory. You can't put your arms around a memory. You can't put your arms around a memory. I think there is a flinty uh, plosiveness about this song. Uh, I think the guitars sound so guttural and, and, and sewage-like. I think Duff is spectacular throughout. I love the original. Maybe that's influenced me a little bit too much, but I still think this is a great cover. Any thoughts on this cover? I mean, I think it's great, but I don't really know the original. Oh, no. Hate me for you it. You can't put you. It's on Sopranos as well. I know my, got my Sopranos I will definitely there. check it out because yeah. I cannot really judge it if I haven't listened to the original cover. And, I mean, I think I can. I like the song. Mm. But comparing it to the original cover, I guess I'll have a better perspective of it. And Yeah. Tell you my second one, though. What's your second, please? So... You know how I was saying before uh, this track, which one was I mentioning that you could play to your parents and it'll be alright? Oh, um, Used to Love Her. Used to Love Her, yeah, because it's a funny song, yeah. it's chilled it's in humorous. a way, it's yeah. humorous. Well, I have one that is chill, it's a chill track and it's Look at Your Game Girl. Ah, those feelings real. Look at your game girl. Look at your game girl. What a mad illusion living in that confusion. Which is actually yes. it's actually sort of like a hidden track mm -hmm. from the album because it plays just a few minutes or seconds, I don't even know the length of it, I haven't really yeah, checked. Yeah. After I Don't Care About You, which is the last last, you know, quote last song of the album. And Look at Your Game Girl is actually a cover from Charles Manson, the murder assassin and horrible person that is dead, I believe. Yeah, he's he died recently prison, died. Recently, yeah. yeah. And um, again, obviously, it could be Axel's way of 
trying to taste people and you know I'm covering a you know a murder and you know it's for the sake of entertainment and fame and mm -hmm. you know publicity but now we get into Chinese democracy something that you know I was a guns fan since 2004 so I was waiting four long years for this it was really in the prime of my GNR uh, fervent fandom and I really like this album, personally. You know, I know that it's overproduced, and I know that it's synthetic and, you know, like an Android, like an AI, like an algorithm has made a kind of modern Axel industrial GNR record. It's not fucking Don't Damn Me, I get that. But I'm gonna go with the first song for me, Javi, is Better. That's a great choice, yeah, actually. It's one yeah. of the best examples of their new Yeah, their new sound. sound. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it kind of, it pulls very basic concepts. Like, the main riff of Better is just kind of... It's basically two chords. You know, it's a strumming of two chords. It's a movement between two shapes. But because it's kind of garnished in that industrial buckethead you know, bumblefoot kind of ideology, shout out Tommy Stimson on the bass, it becomes a much more muscular proposition. Some of the sweeping, some of the solos feel a little gauche, feel a little out of place, but that almost underscores it for me. It is an absurd proposition, the entirety of Chinese democracy, but better to me with its, you know, confrontational riffs, Axel's still there with the auto-tune, it's still got guitars, it's still got drums, it's still rocking, it feels a little robotic, but that works in its favour. You know, I dig better. <laughs> I tell you what, Tom, I'm gonna let you go ahead and tell us your second song, just because I have a soft spot for Chinese democracy. Oh yeah, yeah. And I w I'm gonna go a little bit, you know, over the the allowed time talking about my favorite tracks okay. on this album. So I'm gonna let you go with this one, give you all the time you need, and then I'll just ramble on my thoughts of my two best favorite tracks of this album Go you know on. i do really like chinese democracy as a whole but i have to keep it early on in the track listing really there's lots of songs i could speak about i love catcher in the rye um i love the uh kind of squalor of riot and bender wounds i love the soulfulness of sorry uh i think irs uh, has a kind of palpable menace but again i've got to pull early Javi. i've got to talk about shackler's revenge Which I think when we get into the track, it really is a kind of an affront to the listener. Bah, 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 bah. You know, it's kind of like this ain't your daddy's fucking Mike Clink Guns and Roses. You know, it's, it's going into a different direction. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, the adjective you want to overuse and overuse to the point of an aphora is industrial because it is that. It feels mechanical and lacking a soul, but still with that kind of rhythmic intent that the band always occupied. Uh, Josh Freeze on the drums as well. But, um, you know, Shackles Revenge, like better, I think marries that those aspirations with the altogether songwriter heart of GNR. And uh, again, too many sweeping solos, parts 
feel like tracks that are dropped on each other on Pro Tools without much thought behind it, but still it has an energy and a pace and a gallop, and uh, I'm a big fan of this song. I mean, it's definitely a great track. Shackler's Revenge, in fact, I like the fact <laughs> that it's actually the first track I've ever played on Rock Band. Oh, wow. The game, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember they released the Guns N' Roses pack, mm -hmm. and it was mostly Chinese democracy tracks, as far as I remember. Right. And I remember playing it and feeling excited about playing a Guns N' Roses track, despite it being from a, mm. you know, their, their latest album that was not the actual band and so on. I didn't care. Right, right, it right. It was Guns N' Roses for me, and I was enjoying it so much. But anyway, so... Here's my review about the two, my two favorite tracks about this album. And I do have to say, it's gonna feel like I'm reviewing the whole album on its own, but it's not like that. It's just that this album, compared to the rest of Guns N' Roses' discography, is completely different, as most people can actually tell. And um, that's beyond the fact that the lineup is different, okay? Because Guns, Guns N' Roses was definitely much more than its own lineup but Axl Rose being the brain of the operations being the main songwriter with Easy and writing most of the lyrics and writing most of the melodies mm -hmm. he definitely shaped Guns N' Roses sound Undeniably. throughout the ages so mm -hmm. he was the only member left from that old lineup apart from Gilby Clark for a little short stint. Gilby was in it for a for bit. For a little yeah, stint, yeah, but then again, bit, he, yeah. I, I'm not He sure. wasn't much of a writer, he, Gilby. He wasn't like, part yeah. of Chinese democracy's writing, No, not he? really. No, not no. really. So, what I'm trying to say with all of this, you know, talking before getting to the main bit, is that Axel shaped Chinese democracy in a way that, you know, made a difference, big time. And what I mean by that is that every song has at least 60% of Axel and then 40% of the rest of the band. Mm -hmm. Let's part with that thought in mind, okay? Axel had the main say and the, the ultimate say really in every track. It was his band ultimately. And I'll give you a little snippet here. <laughs> Sorry for drawing this so long. I heard a little snippet from my ex-guitarist back in Venezuela. Right, right, this right. is something that probably went on the Reddit, you know, uh, forums or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And basically, it was this kind of like um, underground idea that Axel was gonna release a band called War, W A R, you know, right, W right, Axel right. Rose, yeah, you know, yeah, William, yeah. Ba William, so, yeah, Will so, and, Bill Bailey, yeah. And the thing is, like, a lot of people, including myself, back in the day, thought, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna release music that is so so different from what you used to do, and you're the only fucking member left. Might as well change the name of the band. And War was a really good, you know, kind of like acronym for a really good band name. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that didn't happen. He decided to go with Guns N' Roses, keep the name, release the music. Took 14 years, 14, 15, how many years did it take? Uh, I mean, you know, Usual Illusion was 91 and uh, it was 2008, years? 17 years, yeah. 17 years, there you go. Yeah. Crazy time. A lifetime, really. Mm. But then he did something amazing and it was bring in so many good musicians in their own instruments like Bumblefoot is amazing at genius. guitar playing he's a yeah. genius you can say whatever you want about his personality but no one can doubt his skill and quality of guitar playing mm -hmm. same as the bass player Tommy Stinson he's just from skilled. the replacements one of my all-time favorite bands skill as genius. it gets yep. okay and then 
and you can actually tell that subsequently he hired all of these other as you say hired guns yeah DJ Ashba mm -hmm. right Bumblefoot brilliant, brilliant. all yeah, of these yeah, guitar yeah. players and musicians that Chicken, were just yeah yeah, they Bucket were head. Yeah. <laughs> chicken, <laughs> chicken head. <laughs> they were all great in what they do. So, basically, Axel decided to make Chinese democracy a completely different thing from the old Guns N' Roses. He wanted to make his own ideas into one album, and he chose to do something that would probably upset most Guns mm -hmm. N' Roses fans. And he still went with it and said, you know what? Suck it. This is what it is. I got all these hired guns, which are all amazing musicians, and my ideas, my song ideas, enhanced by these musicians, are gonna bang. And a lot of them did, mm -hmm. including what you said, Shackler's Revenge, mm -hmm. Better, the same title track, Chinese Democracy, it was big. I'm not gonna say it was huge as Welcome to the Jungle would have been, oh, yeah. or it was actually, but you know. It was still huge songs. There were a lot of singles out of it, and the weight we had for that album always also kind of like enhanced the hype. Now, coming down to my two songs before mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. you know, make let's this carry a lot go. longer. Two songs that I have to say better. The one that you mentioned. That's mm -hmm. my first choice, and that's only because it shows the change that Axel had to make in order to make his own new songs work yeah axel used to sing a particular way he used to sing from the core when you hear axel singing songs like you're crazy both in the acoustic album of lies and in appetite of destruction you can hear him singing from the core it's almost like he's forcing his throat and his core to kind of like push this raw and amazing vocal sound out and it works but that's Axel in his prime let's remember that Every singer ages and it takes a toll in your vocal mm -hmm. capability. Axel is no exception. And when he went to record Chinese Democracy, and keep in mind, bear in mind that he recorded that album on the 17 during the 17 years that it took to, to, to do it, you know? Maybe he was That's still not. doing ad-libs and vocal takes a month before it was released. I don't know. The point is that he had to adjust his previous vocals as he used to sing before for this new, new album and if you watch Welcome to the Jungle's performance live performance announced by Jimmy Kimmel okay word to Jimmy yeah. yep maybe Is some people Jimmy are saying Kimmel was the other him. guy Jimmy not the other, the other Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon I think it was Kimmel Fallon Kimmel Fallon. probably Fallon Kim. it was, oh, it was Fallon. Fallon it was wow. Fallon actually He's Jimmy Fallon yep. announcing on MTV some sort of awards okay Guns N' Roses performing Welcome to the Jungle. It was like the first live performance after coming out yeah. of breaking up or whatever. It was Bumblefoot and everything. And Axel botches it. He just fucks up the track. There's mm. no other way to describe it. And that's because that's a great way to, or a great example of pointing out how Axel was evolving, changing, you know, channeling his new vocal capability into who he would become later on which is the axel we know these days which relies solely on falsetto and that brings me to my second point mm. so my second point being my second song yep. irs my second favorite song Great from song, chinese yep. democracy
Russell performs such a great example or a great, you know, showcase of falsetto. And hey, it's me again, Tom, just wrapping this up. Unfortunately, it cut out there. Didn't realise it at the time, but it seems like I was out of memory or something, or, uh, you know, the uh, <laughs> the gods of hyperbole were just casting arrows down. So we stopped there. Uh, I'll have have you back on the show in the future. Maybe we'll do a Vote of All thing. Uh, you know, we want to review a Metallica concert. The Venezuela one, as we mentioned, can't seem to get any footage for that. But, uh, you know, maybe we'll review the uh, the Mexican DVD, next best thing, as it were. Uh, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I don't mean it in that way. So, um, yeah, as always, guys, thanks for listening. Follow us at MetallicaPod, and we'll see you next time.